Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Bienyaj, and today it's a little bit different. I'm not just interviewing a musician. I'm interviewing Sam Thompson from Witch Police Radio. Are you there, Sam? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. And it's also going to be weird because you're um, on the phone. You're not actually in person talking. So yeah, but thanks for uh, accommodating this. I know uh, it's usually easier like for me, too, to do interviews in person. But <laughs> No, no, no. This is a really great experience. I'm glad I'm doing it with you so like, you at least understand the struggles <laughs> dealing <laughs> yeah, with this yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, so for people who might not be aware of what the Witch Police Radio is, can you tell me what that is? Yeah, it's uh, a music interview podcast, not too different from what you do, actually. Mm-hmm. It's been running since 2012. Uh, we're at about 180-some episodes now. And every week we talk to local musicians as well as occasionally... Uh, filmmakers, you know, visual artists, writers, uh, other creative types, and we talk to them about their work, uh, get a lot of live performances, and we encourage them to kind of dig deep into their own record collections as part of the show as well. That's right. You guys do all that. Um, so I was on the show at one point, and you had me, you had a theme for yeah. that episode, and we had to pick songs that meant something to us. People relate to the theme. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, our show is usually between an hour and an hour and a half long, so to break up the interview segments, we uh, have introduced the random theme word, and that's basically uh, we press a button on the computer, it shoots a word at us, and we encourage the guests and the hosts to uh, select songs from their own music collection that they can connect to that word. Mm-hmm. And it just breaks up the talking a little bit. It makes for kind of an interesting challenge, I guess, depending on who the artist is and who the, what the word is. Yeah. And makes it a bit more fun than just a sort of straight interview. So. Nice. Well, that's really that's really clever. I thought after I did my interview, I thought of doing something similar to that, but it was too complicated for me to constantly think of themes, so I just left it to let the listener or the person I'm interviewing pick the song that they wanted. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, why did you uh, decide to start the Witch Police Radio? Uh, well, for me, I mean, it started off as, as three people. Um, it was I, I was one of the original hosts, and uh, Rob Crooks, who is a well-known uh, local musician was another host, and my fr- our friend John Ascombe, who also plays in a number of bands in the city, was the third host. And it, basically it started because I, I have kids, and when I, did it, when I became a dad, my, the amount of time I had to play in bands was pretty much dropped to zero. So mm-hmm. I still wanted to stay involved and, and, and kind of keep, keep involved in the music scene, and it just seemed like a good way to do it is uh, to sit around with a couple of my friends who were still active in the music scene and talk about music. And eventually the show kind of transformed from that into actual interviews. And... Um, it's kind of gone that way ever since. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you, how did you get, um, or what made you decide to do like actual like, podcast styles? Why not not just like blog style, like typing it up or? Well, which which police had been a blog? Uh, I mean, the website whichpolice.com previously was whichpolice.blogspot.com before we actually paid for a domain name, mm-hmm. and it it's been around since two thousand nine, and it originally existed as um, kind of an archive of local music, mainly uh, our bands and our friends' bands and old tapes that, you know, were lying in people's basements and hadn't uh, been listened to in a decade and were in danger of getting lost completely. And uh, it kept growing and growing. I mean, I put, originally, uh, me and Rob were in a band, and me and John, both of the original hosts, we were all in different bands together, and we put up that music just so it was available. And after that, you know, we'd have other friends like, oh, hey, I have this tape from, you know, 2001 or 1994 or whatever. Can you digitize this and put it up for us? So it kept growing and growing, and it became this archive and this weird uh, resource, I guess, to find music that either didn't get anywhere or went somewhere and then completely got forgotten about mm-hmm. or maybe shouldn't have gone anywhere in the first place, but, it, you know, <laughs> it's preserved for the Internet. And, uh, yeah, so that was the main purpose of the site. And I started doing um, some written interviews and some video interviews well before we started the podcast uh, just to kind of enhance, I guess, the content we had already. Mm-hmm. So if someone was, you know, a friend or, or someone I knew had an album they wanted me to post on the website, I would uh, do a, a print interview, you know, print-style interview with them or I'd, I'd go talk to them and film it and throw that up as kind of a bonus. So that was sort of the, that led into the podcast uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. And had you had experience doing interviews before that? Yeah, I worked as a journalist for a number of years. I went to journalism school, and uh, like a lot of people in that business, uh, it kind of crashed pretty hard, and a lot of people lost jobs or moved on to other businesses, and I, myself included. And uh, I, I occasionally do freelance music writing, but very rarely, just time constraints. So uh, doing the interviews as part of the podcast and as part of the website before that really kind of scratched the journalism itch. Like, I, I still love it, and um, even though I'm not in that business anymore uh, as a profession, uh, I still really enjoy interviewing, and it's something that I'm passionate about. So mm-hmm. in the podcast form once a week kind of covers the music thing and covers the journalism thing, so both, both uh, things that I used to be heavily into and still really love, but I'm not actively kind of working in, I guess. Um, yeah. 
Nice. Okay. That's totally fair. I love that. I don't have any journalism experience. Um, well, you do now, though. Uh, well, I guess, I guess that, yeah, I can <laughs> say that. Um, but you can definitely hear it in your interviews. Like, you just, like, you don't have anything, like, especially when you were doing interviewing me, just, like, you could come up with questions on the fly, just, like, yeah. or, totally, like, legitimate questions that made sense that kept the conversation going. So, good for you. <laughs> I think that's actually important, because I listen to a lot of music podcasts, just, you know, because I like podcasts, I like music, it seems like a natural choice. Mm-hmm. And there are a few where you can tell the person's reading from a list, and I find that often it kind of sucks you out of the interview when there's an obvious point to ask a follow-up question, yeah. and then they don't, because they're just clearly going to the next one on the list, and it, you know, there's an opportunity often to get a really interesting story that maybe you hadn't thought about yeah. going into the interview. And a lot of people don't do that. And it's kind of frustrating to listen to because you think, oh, why didn't you ask? You know, <laughs> why didn't mm. you have to elaborate on whatever they just said? So. That's fair. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I, especially when you first start, like, that's what I, I still kind of do that. I still have my list. And I'll listen to my interviews when I'm editing them. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I ask about that? Or, oh, I should have asked about that. Or, yeah. oh, I hope they come back on the show so I can, like, ask more about that topic we had talked about. So I, I totally get that. I think the good thing to do is just, just to listen. Um, so the show has been going on for the podcast has been going on for five, three. Uh, yeah, three a bit. Math. Coming on, coming on to four, I guess, because we started in late 2012. So that's right. At so, the end of this year, kind of November, December, it'll be four years. Four years, and it'd been a blog before that. What would you say that the big trans, like the the biggest transformation, has occurred like during the actual podcast? Like, what have you noticed that's changed since the very, very beginning of since you started doing the podcast interviews? Changed with the show, you mean? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's become less of a, I mean, early on, even when we started having guests, the theme word thing was kind of the main focus of the show. And we talked to people a little bit if they had a new album coming out or whatever, but it was really just like, okay, get that out of of the way and let's just talk about the songs we're picking. It would be an hour, an hour and a half of us just discussing the songs we picked and discussing the artists and stuff. And that's great, but it was always more interesting to talk to the actual guests about their own work because a lot of the people we had on the show have really interesting music of their own. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of seemed almost like a missed opportunity to just focus on these records they had, which is, you know, it's kind of a different different kind of interesting. But um, at one point, I started doing the show primarily by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two other guys I did it with were kind of just contributing sporadically. They had other things going on, didn't have enough time. And I had a few other people who would do episodes, you know, every few months or so. But it was mainly me. And so that kind of switched it to the, the interview, more journalistic, I guess, style, mm-hmm. just from my own interests and, uh, and whatnot. Oh, okay. yeah, it's changed from, I guess, like, talking about music to talking about the people who make music, and also a little bit of talking about music, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, oh, I got it. I don't know if everyone listening has got it, but I got it. Um, so, since you guys have been doing really well, like, uh, a lot of people actually approached me after my, my interview with you guys, because they heard from you guys first. Oh, cool. Um, congratulations, that's awesome. Um, one day, I hope that happens to me. Um, so, but what kind of opportunities have happened, um, or come up since you started the, the, the podcast? Well, I guess the the first one was just getting on UMFM in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, our show also airs on UMFM, uh, just like yours, and um, we had been a podcast for a couple of months beforehand without any idea of ever being on the actual radio, and uh, UMFM approached us and said, hey, do you want, it, do you want this to air? And it was obvious that we wanted to air, that's great. Because mm-hmm. I'd always wanted to do a campus radio show for years. I mean, my crappy bands over the years had been guests on other people's shows and stuff at UMFM and CKW, and I just never had the time, really, to go go all the way out to one of the universities and sit there and, and, and actually learn the technical stuff yeah. <laughs> and host the show. And I always wanted to. So the fact that I could just do this um, pre-recorded from home or from wherever I'm, I'm recording it and then uh, send it in and you'll have more air it is fantastic. So that was huge for us. I think that, I hope that uh, kind of increased the audience. Mm-hmm. And then we've also done a few live shows. Um, so far we've done two of them. Uh, one with The Handsome Daughter. Uh, they, were, they were kind of our usual format. Um, we had three or four guests on the show instead of the one guest per regular episode, mm-hmm. and we would interview them, and they'd play some live songs, and it was all in front of a live audience. So that was really cool, and uh, it was definitely a different experience uh, doing a live show than it is sitting in someone's basement. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you about the live shows. Like, why did you decide to do that? That was actually the the, the idea for the live shows was because of the Garbage Hill Podcast Network, which I probably should have mentioned uh, <laughs> earlier, but um, it's a really loose group of. Hello? Hello? I'm here. Oh, I had a weird noise. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> the prob- problem with doing an interview on the phone, right? Yeah. Uh, no, the, the Garbage Hill Network is a, a group of uh, local podcasters on various topics. Like, they're not all music shows. It's people doing shows on comic books, pop culture, uh, video games, sports, pretty much anything that's kind of hobbyish. There's someone doing a DIY show about it. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so we got hooked up with that. Um, our friends who hosted the Coach Surfing Show, um, we had had them on our, our podcast in about 2013. So when they came up with the idea of doing a network, uh, they approached us, I think, first or second. We were one of the first ones they talked to, and we were totally on board. So because of Garbage Hill, that has kind of resulted in a bunch of shows happening. Uh, I think three or four, maybe even five different Garbage Hill shows started doing live live podcasts at the Handsome Daughter. There was like a, a, an arrangement with the venue. Okay. And that we did it, Coach Surfing did it, uh, No One Is Safe did it, uh, Take a Seat. There's a bunch of these interview shows that did in front of an audience. So, I mean, we jumped at the chance to do that because it was something I'd always wanted to do with the podcast to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, even, even when we first started it. But the other guys I hosted with weren't super keen on it. Uh, I guess they figured it wouldn't be the type of thing that would maybe generate a huge audience. And it didn't <laughs> really generate a huge audience, but those episodes we did live, they've got tons of downloads. Like, they're, they're near the top of our... You know, of the 180 some episodes, they're 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 top 10 most downloaded. So people like to hear it. It's just uh, we had a you know relatively small turnout, but it was still super fun. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that I would love to do something like that. I don't know if I could handle um, <laughs> that many people. But what what uh, why would um some, a podcast want to join something like Garage Hill Media? Well, I mean, I guess to me, I've said this before on my own show that I think that it reminds me of like when I was a teenager. I played in a bunch of crappy punk bands and stuff, and uh, at the time, this would have been like mid-90s, there were a lot of, a lot of shows, uh, community centers and things like that, and they probably still exist, it's just I'm too old to, to know about them, but um, we'd have like 10, 15 bands, you know, of varying quality, all sort of playing on the same bill, no one could make any money off it, it was just like, fit as many bands on as you can, everyone's friends, uh, a lot of my friends to date are people that I met playing shows like that mm-hmm. back then, and it was a really, really tight community of people just trying to help each other out with no one having any kind of delusions of becoming famous or, or making any money. Yeah. It was just, we all like playing music. Let's all share an audience by inviting each other to each other's shows. Hopefully we get the fans from one band to come to the next one. And this is the same thing to me. I mean, you know, Couchsurfing, they just ended. They just had their last show ever, actually. And it was a live one uh, last weekend. But um, they have a, I think they have a decent crossover audience with us. Uh, theirs is more kind of focused on interesting people in Winnipeg, pop culture. They had some bands on and things as well. But... Uh, so having them on our show meant that people who like their show could check us out and vice versa, which is kind of the same as when we had okay. you on our show as well. Yeah. So Garbage Hill is just, uh, I mean, a lot of the shows on Garbage Hill, and no offense to the creators, but it's not necessarily stuff that I'm interested in. I'm not a video game guy, but there's a video game show there. And I hope that if someone who listens to our show likes music and video games, they'll check them out and vice versa, because it's just people doing the same thing as I'm doing, but... Mm-hmm on different topics. So uh, I like the DIY aspect of it, and I like that it's kind of a punk rock thing, even though it's not punk rock themed. Yeah. No, that, no, that makes sense. I really like that. That's really cool. Um, so what because of all these, these networks and connections, what who, uh, what kind of people have you met? Not to like, you can drop names if you want, but like... Um, <laughs> like people who, we've had on the show? Or yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had a lot. <laughs> I mean, 180 <laughs> shows. Yeah, 180 some episodes. So it's like... Uh, there's been a lot. I mean, it's, it's interesting because there's certain bands that, you know, when I was a kid were very important to me as far as local bands. And we've had a few of those on, which is, which is fantastic. But it's also cool to meet bands that I've never heard of before. And there's a lot of those coming up, too, because, you know, I'm a dad. I don't go to shows as much. Uh, I'm just not connected with some of the, you know, some, someone who's 20 years old and is playing in, like, a punk scene or something. I have no clue what they're doing. I mean, we interviewed a band last night that was, uh, they're all in their early 20s playing punk. And... It's the same kind of music that I would maybe listen to when I was 15 or something, but it's a very different group of bands that I just have no connection to. I mm-hmm. mean, all of my friends who were in bands when I was in bands are kind of either either they've been successful and that's what they do as a job, or they're aging out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, my frame of reference is, is pretty low, but doing the show has kind of got me interested in, in a lot more bands that I wouldn't have known about, and a lot of different kinds of music as well, uh, because there's no real... I mean, I know I, I said punk rock a few times kind of for the attitude of, doing, of the show and the yeah. kind of... Um, collective, you know, DIY-ness of it, but, I mean, we cover everything, and uh, I feel like I've definitely expanded my horizons a bit as far as local music, just from having people on the show. No, yeah, definitely. I get that. Um, I, starting the Winnipeg Music Project, I, I, I don't know very much about the Winnipeg music community, or I didn't at the time, yeah. and I didn't want to restrict myself to any kind of genre. I wanted to, like, just anyone who wanted will want me, let me talk to them and ask them questions and that just really opened my eyes to see just how colorful the Winnipeg music community actually is yeah it's great um you're saying like that you actually just interviewed a quest, uh, a band that you uh, didn't know much about how, how do you pick questions for that if you don't know them or you don't really well 
I mean, I, I guess it depends on, on who it is. If it's someone that has been around for a while, I, I usually, you know, I, I can go research. You look at their catalog online, you can see if they've been around for a while, you can find other interviews, you can, you know, read something they've written on their website, things like that, and you get ideas based on, on that. Mm-hmm. But if it's someone brand new, you kind of just have to uh, start off by finding out where they're coming from. And regardless of what type of music it is, I think there's a lot of kind of crossover. Uh, I mean, having played in bands before, none of mine ever went anywhere, but at least I have some kind of uh, connection, I guess. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like starting a band. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like trying to find shows. So there's, there's at least a, a little bit of common ground, and then you can really go from there. And if it doesn't go well, at least we have the song selections that break it up to kind of uh, give me a few minutes to think of a better question. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um I wish I had that right now because I just totally blanked with what I wanted to ask you. Um, darn it. Picking questions. Um, oh, I can't remember. I'll just skip it for now. Um, so you you are a dad, uh, how, and you, but you do keep this, um, this podcast going regularly. How do you balance planning interviews and working and having a family? Uh, it's not easy. Um, I do one episode a week, and we do one a week kind of year-round, even over the holidays and everything. Mm-hmm. And the way that that usually works is by just occasionally throughout the year getting a couple extra episodes and that just gives, gives a buffer so if there's yeah. a week where something can't happen at least there's an episode in the bag that, that can go out that week so mm-hmm. i do have a few other people who contribute episodes now and again i mean it's mainly i'm the main host i do the vast majority of the episodes by myself uh, my co-host ryan who was uh, on the show with you yeah um he, uh, he you know he's maybe every fifth episode or so he, he's on the show as well and then two of the older hosts um will contribute stuff, you know, every few months as well. So uh, having a buffer of a few extra episodes is, is a huge, because otherwise I don't think I'd have time to, if it was, if it was like week of, because sometimes people cancel, you probably know this, yeah. yes, cancel, or you have to change the, change the time. And I have kind of one day a week that is my set, like this night I'm going out to do the podcast and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so people have to, I kind of have to make people fit into my schedule because I just don't have any other time. Like that's the time when I'm available. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like the buffer thing, like right now, I mean, I'm putting out an episode tomorrow and I have two other ones recorded uh, as well as that. So if something happened, I mean, even if I was sick for a couple of weeks, I still have two extra ones that are pre-recorded and ready to go. And there's another one out there that one of the other hosts has been working on for a while that'll show up when it shows up, too. So Nice. Okay. Um, so if there are people listening who want us, like this is a very podcast-based uh, interview today, not very yeah. musician, but people might be interested in starting their own blog or their own podcast where they're meeting musicians or even just artistic people in general. Do you have any advice for people who are starting that out? Such well, as I think myself? they should do it. I think they should definitely do it. I don't think that, I think that the problem with the reason people might not do it, I guess, is because they might be concerned that they don't know how to do it or that maybe it's not good enough. But I mean, like the whole point of the, the, whole, the whole beauty of doing a podcast is you can just get any kind of recording device and hit record and go, and you have you have content. Mm-hmm. And you can, I mean, it might take you a few months, it might take you a few years to perfect it and make it kind of the the, the ideal product you want, but. You can do it. It's like the same thing as starting a zine back in the day before the internet. I mean, people were cutting things up and photocopying them and typing it out and making weird little magazines all the time. And a blog, same thing. I mean, you can you just open up a website and do it. Yeah. And I think that, especially with the music scene, people are super receptive. And, I mean, uh, local artists want to get the word out about their music, too, so they're happy to talk to you. Yeah. And, it's like, and not just music, too. I mean, any kind of artistic person usually is happy to talk about the work they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's not as hard as it seems. Like the barrier to entry is way different than it was maybe even 20 years ago when the internet wasn't as available for everyone to just throw stuff out there. Mm-hmm. It means there's more bad stuff because a lot of people, everyone can do stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, not everyone should. Right, but everyone should try. No, yeah, that's really fair. I, um, I like that. I think that's one of the reasons why I finally put this blog up. I still haven't done like regular blogging, like how I've, I originally started yeah. or wanted to, because there is still that, that initial fear of me sucking. <laughs> but I, I understand you're saying you just got to do it, got to get that experience for yourself. Um, I keep wanting to ask you questions, and then they blank. Um, so you started with music. Yeah. What what was the decision to branch out to, to non musicians to ask? Well, them at first it was just because the, the original guys I started the show with. Some of them knew filmmakers and things like that. So it was like, oh, yeah. yeah, sure, let's talk to this. That sounds great. And then, I mean, I, you know, I've had a few journalists on just from people I know from my background. And uh, we've had um, visual artists. We did a whole episode on, on show posters, which was like, you know, it's very music-themed, but it, we talked to three different artists who work a lot in a lot of show posters, you see. So you may have seen, you've probably seen their posters on, on trees and poles, like, for years. Yeah. We didn't know who they were. So it's tied into the music thing. 
Okay. Almost always, but it, there, there's a connection, right? So even with a filmmaker, you can talk to them about the music they used in their in their film and the music on the soundtrack and yeah. how they chose those and things. So it all, I mean, music is a basis, but you can kind of, there's a lot of surrounding stuff that is relevant to music, but maybe you wouldn't think about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. That's I might steal that. That's a really good yeah, idea. Go how do you talk about posters when you're, it's a, it's a podcast though. Like how do you, like, do you describe it visually or? Well, that's a bit harder, right? Because you yeah. don't have a, an image in front of you, but I mean, you talk about the, I guess for that one, a lot of the conversation is about just how do they decide what they're going to put on the poster? How do they represent the band's music? And, you know, what kind of responsibility they have around representing the band's music with their own style? Because, I mean, you know, the band usually isn't telling them what they want. It's, here's the post, here's the job, make a poster for this music. And you have to kind of do something that will help the band sell tickets, things like that. So it's, uh, I mean, it's just as creative, actually, as, as the music itself. It's just a, another aspect of it. So mm-hmm. you can ask some of the same questions. I like that. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, so on May 30, you guys have an upcoming uh, show called The Big Mix-Up. You want to yep. tell me a little bit about that? Yes, that's at the Park Theatre, and it's a little different from our, it's very different, actually, from our, our usual uh, live podcast. Uh, this one is not really focused on interviews. It's focused on music, and we have about 15 local musicians, uh, a wide variety of genres, and they're basically going to be assembled into random bands and uh, asked to perform live in a group of people they've never worked with before and uh, improvise on stage. So uh, you could have like an accordion player, a rapper, a punk drummer, a metal guitarist, and they're thrown up on stage, never played together before, in many cases may not even know each other, and they have about a two-minute huddle, and they have to perform something based on whatever the audience is yelling at them. And it could be great, it could be horrible, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. up in the air, but it's going to be fun, regardless of, of how it turns out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on uh, Monday, May 30th at the Park Theatre... Yep. 7.30 p.m., $8 entry. Sorry, just want to plug that before I forget. Sure, sure. I remember, I remember you messaged me on um, Facebook asking me to do it, and I had really, really wanted to, but like, there, there was that like, fear of, like, I don't know a lot of how to play a lot of genres. Like, right. How did you get these this these 15 artists to commit? Oh, it was actually pretty easy. I had more people who wanted to do it than I could actually uh, oh, really? handle. Me. The problem is that some instruments are way more... Um, like, I mean, everyone plays guitar, right? A lot mm-hmm. of, you go to Winnipeg bands, there's always tons of guitar players. And so that part was easy, but it's finding some of the other instruments is kind of tricky. So I have people, I mean, if we do another one, which I'd love to if this one succeeds, mm-hmm. I definitely have other people who, who would be lined up ready to go right away. So nice. um, it was mainly kind of trying to keep it limited to certain instruments so we could make sure that we had uh, enough of a mix. Because if you had 20 guitar players, then that's it. It's going to be kind of boring. Yeah, so you, you know, we have, we, have some, we have some horns, we have uh, keyboards, synthesizers, drums, you know, some vocals, um, some other interesting, weird instruments, things like that. So Okay. So it's gonna be yeah it's it's gonna be really random and really weird but I think it'll be fun. And how are you how are you promoting a show like that? Uh well I mean I mentioned it all the time on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that'll help. But uh, we got some posters made. I've been doing some other media. I mean I was on uh, I shot a thing with Shaw TV the other day yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, I got some interviews in some local papers and things like that. And so hopefully that helps. Um, I'm also thinking because there's so many people playing, if each one of them brings a few people out, it'll it'll kind of fill up the crowd. That's very true. Yeah, but it's a big venue. So I mean, our our other shows were at the Handsome Daughter, which is much smaller, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of a little worried about the turnout. But I think it'll be fine. I think it's uh, enough of a novelty concept that the people who yeah maybe wouldn't go to sit for an interview on stage will be down for sitting for a live show. Yeah, I can totally see that. I want to go. Um, well, I hope to see you out there, yeah. Yeah, well, and I'll come say hi. Um, so why did you pick the Park Theatre? Uh, the Park Theatre, actually, that came up again through Garbage Hill. Um, I love the venue. It's a great venue, but uh, one of the other um, guys from Garbage Hill, Devin, who hosted Couch Server until last week, he um, he got in touch with the park and asked them about arranging for future Garbage Hill-related shows, and he kind of sent out a thing to everyone who hosts on the network, Uh saying, you know, if you have ideas, the park is interested in, in maybe doing some of these. So I had an idea, so I contacted the park, and that's kind of how that happened. Oh, wow, that's easy. Yeah, it was, it was really easy, actually. Just go, <laughs> like, like, surprisingly easy, yeah. yeah I just got to go ask. Like, yeah. I never, who would have thought that would have been that easy? But oh. that's how everything is, I think. Like, even, I mean, doing the podcast in general, you just ask people to be on the show, and they're happy to do it. I think a lot of people are just worried that maybe if they can't get the guests they want or can't get the show they want, but you just got to try it, and usually... Yeah. That's true. Like the, the one thing I've noticed, like with the show, I've ha- when I first, especially when I first started, I had to go and ask people, and like the worst thing they're gonna do is say no, or yeah. just not respond, and uh, or ignore you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, I, I thought that would hurt me, hurt me a lot more. But like when they didn't, I was like, okay, well, you didn't respond, but I got like three other people who are willing to do it. 
I can just if you, and once you hear these how good these interviews will be, maybe you'll want to come on the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so no doesn't always mean no forever. Maybe just mean no right now. So yeah, that's yeah, great. For sure. um, so moving away a little bit from Witch Police Radio, I, because you you were in bands and this is interviewing musicians, I want kind of want to ask you a little bit about your sure your music past. Sure, yeah. So um, how did you get started in in playing bands? Uh, I started playing the band when I was twelve. Um, twelve. In grade seven. It was uh, not very good. Um, it was kind of a grunge band. Cause it was about ninety four, ninety five, and uh, you know we were basically doing like Nirvana covers and stuff, and okay. uh, a couple of few originals. And I still have a tape of it. It's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> can you but find yeah, no, it? I, can you find it on Witch Police Radio? Uh, no, I have it. I'm thinking about putting it on there. Um, you do I, it. I, there's one song I put up on YouTube when it w- last year because it was the twentieth anniversary of it, mm-hmm. and I mean it's super super low quality. It was a tape deck sitting in the middle of a room, and we kind of recorded into it like a like a boombox, you know. Whatever. So, but yeah, that was, that was cool. And then I, I guess in high school, there was a, a ska band called Grandpa's Army, which uh, did pretty well. I mean, as far as a high school band goes, I mean, we played at the West End Cultural Center a lot of times. Um, wow. Played the Albert a lot, and uh, that lasted a couple years. And then um, I guess most recently, I was in a band called The Mouthboat, which was kind of a noise rock, kind of weird experimental punk thing. And that was about 2006 to 2008 or nine. Okay. And then we put out an, uh, an album afterwards, too, in 2012. And that stuff's all on Witch Police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those albums are all downloadable on Witch Police. So, so 2012 was, is when you started doing the podcast. Is that when you start, had your, your kids? No, no. I, I, uh, my first kid was born in 2009. Oh, okay. And, uh, but that band stopped around 2009. Oh. For that reason and other reasons. And uh, we just got back together for a weekend in 2012 and recorded an album. Oh. Just, just to do it. So, yeah. Just to, like, have, like, we need something to remember all yeah, of our fun yeah, times together. Yeah. And also, okay. like you know, fairly low quality because of how it was done. But yeah, it's, I, I I really like it. Like all the stuff I've done, I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I don't know if people would uh, say it's technically good, but <laughs> it's enjoyable. It's I think you're to too do. hard on yourself. I think it's probably a lot better than you think it is. I think they all had kind of cult audiences. Like the Mouth Boat had uh, a lot of people who remember it, but I'm not a lot of people came up to shows. Cause we had like lots of. Uh, um, Stage stuff. We had a guy in a robot suit dancing and like crazy smoke machines and stuff. So oh, nice. It's memorable. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, a party on stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. So you started in bands in year twelve, but like before that, how did? What was that? What got you into music? Oh, I don't know. Um, I guess I just listened to my parents' tapes. Okay. Like I guess they just, they had some stuff I really liked, and uh, my friends when I was you know eleven, twelve years old also started getting into music. So I ordered a bunch of stuff from Columbia House. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that, that record club they used to have. You get like 10 tapes for a, for one cent, and then you have to buy a bunch more over the next three years. And they sent it to you in the mail. So I got a bunch, I still have a lot of those tapes that I got from my initial uh, Columbia House <laughs> purchase. So okay. I got into a bunch of stuff then, and that just kind of I went from there. Oh, nice. Okay, I don't I don't know what a Columbia House is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was like a mail-order tape thing, and they did it with CDs uh, a few years later too, but you get like a, eight or nine tapes or CDs for one cent, and then they have to pay some exorbitant amount of money for the next three years to buy like eight more. But... Oh. It seemed cheap, but it actually wasn't. But. Oh, they just tricked you? Yeah, yeah. But it, I guess it was worth it since it inspired you to play music. I guess so, yeah. Well, I mean, I had tapes before that, but that was yeah. kind of where I first got a lot of the stuff I really got into. And mm-hmm. I still have a lot of those tapes, too. Yeah. Um, did you write any of the music that you guys would perform? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I guess um, it was all collaborative, though, right? I mean, it was, I was never, like, the you know one guy writing songs. I mean, Grandpa's Army, I didn't write much uh, because I just didn't have the skill. We had a five-piece horn section, and... And things like that, and I, I don't. How have big was? Of, wait, wait, wait! Five piece. How big was this band? At the most, it was ten people. Oh my god! So it was really uh, kind of hard to. Um, it was fun, super fun, but hard to coordinate. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and like I didn't have the technical knowledge. To, I still don't to, to write for horns or anything like that. So. No. Yeah. I contributed a couple little things here and there, and then the mouth boat was a three piece, which was much easier to do. And I I wrote the, the lyrics for it because I was the front man, and uh, some of the guitar stuff. But the other guys wrote the the other parts. So. How do you how do you coordinate practice time for ten people? I'm sorry, I, I'm just like um, what? <laughs> no, do you, you don't do it. It doesn't happen. No, <laughs> we never got everybody. It was very rare to get everybody in a room together. But we were teenagers, so it was a bit easier. Yeah, I how people don't have full time jobs and stuff, right? So oh, it's like, see. oh, hey, after school, we're all in grade eleven or whatever. You know, go down to <laughs> so and so's house. And, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then if you never really practiced together. How would how would the shows go? They were loose. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was it was fun, but it was uh, yeah. I mean, we'd have like we never knew who was going to be on stage at whatever show we had you know like five five horns but on average probably have three of them at a show mm-hmm. and you don't know what that's going to be too that could be like you know two saxes and a trombone or two trombones and a trumpet and that changed the sound of it too depending on who was there right so yeah 
Okay, this is gonna be a really good question. But um, so you you have this album you haven't really released from this from your very first band. Could we hear one of the songs on sure. the on the show? Yeah, if you want to, sure. Yeah, I, we don't have to listen right now. You can just send it to me, and I can edit it in later. Sure. But, okay. Um, so you said you recorded that you're pre-recording this, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I can send it to you actually. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the people in that band went on to better, bigger, and better things. Oh, really? Like, well, Rob Crooks, who I mentioned before, was the singer, and he's very successful as a hip hop artist and as a songwriter. Um, he's you know written for a lot of other groups as well, like um, Magnum Ki, some other things like that. He's worked with Pipskid a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesse Maitis from the Crooked Brothers was a bass player. Oh. And uh, he, you know, I went to high, I went to junior high with all these guys, so he uh, he played bass on that, and uh, he went obviously went on to much better things than, than most of the rest of us. <laughs> and, no, that's uh, not true. The drummer's name is Jessica Element, and she I can't remember what her band's called right now, but she's still playing. Uh, I think you know she has kids too and stuff, right? But uh, she's she's still playing music. As well, so uh, yeah, but Jesse, I mean Jesse, Crooked Brothers are doing fantastic. So they are very cool that someone from our band back in '95 is actually playing music as a career. It's great. Hmm. Well, you are all still involved with music, which is great. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. So if um, we can play one of the songs, do you know which one you would want to pick? Yeah, well, uh, you can play Sniper in Disneyland. Sni- Sniper in Disneyland. Yeah, it's about what it sounds like about murdering Disney characters. Oh, um, and so you guys were like 12 when you were writing these? Yeah, we were 12, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that explains a lot, right? Uh, this is, okay, I, I, I don't know what to ask about that. I just, <laughs> I just really want to hear that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, is, do I have to edit anything in that? No, no, it's, it's, it's okay, you're, you're still 12, so yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. we can't say that word. We can murder yeah. Disney characters, but we can't say that word. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, for people who are listening, this is going to be Snipers in... Sniper in Disneyland. Sniper in Disneyland. And the band was called Filtered Reality. Filtered Reality. Welcome back to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Bienyaj, and I'm here with Sam Thompson from the Witch Police Radio. Hi. Hi. You're still here, okay, good. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So we did just hear the song Sniper in Disneyland. Um, what, what made you guys decide to write a song like that? I don't know. It was 1995. It was 20 years ago, 21 yeah. years ago. Okay. I, I can't, I can't. That's okay. That's fair. <laughs> I just, it's just, I'm, I still haven't heard it, but I will have heard it by the time this is being yeah. aired. That's why I... I, I will have wanted to ask you that, but that's okay. I think it's pretty good considering how old, I mean, like, I'm sure there are 12-year-olds now who make much better music, but at the time, it seemed like we, were, we had a pretty good song going. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's okay. And it's, it's funny because those songs from that, that those recordings, uh, Rob Crooks, 
who I've mentioned again a couple times, he, uh, me and I have a group called Dynamo. Mm-hmm. We kind of play music together very, very sporadically. Like, you know, every few years we'll just hang out and record a song or two. Oh, cool. And at one point, like, this is probably 10 years ago now, we re-recorded all of the Filter Reality songs oh, in really? Dynamo style. So it was just the two of us. So we, it was obviously wasn't the same instruments. We had, like, a lot of samples and, and keyboards and stuff. And, um, and yeah, so we re-recorded all of them. And those are on Witch Police as well. Yeah. Nice. So everyone needs to go to witchpoliceradio.com to check that out. Witchpolice.com, yeah. Witchpolice, sorry. Radio is not in the title yet. No, yeah, I know. I'm looking at the website right now, and I just realized, as I said that. Oh, wait. So sorry. Um, (laughs) So still talking a little bit about your your past. I hope you're okay with that. That's fine. What was your past accomplishment as a musician? I don't know if any of them. (laughs) I mean, if you heard that song, I don't think any of it's very proud. But uh, I guess, I don't know. Um, I mean, we played some pretty big shows when I was in Grappa's Army in, uh, in high school, mm-hmm. I guess we played, like, the West End a lot. I mean, they had a lot of Scalloween shows every year. It would be, like, the big ska show on Halloween, back when Winnipeg had a really big ska scene. And uh, those shows were, you know, almost always sold out. So it was very cool to play in front of a sold-out West End because it's a pretty big venue. Yeah, wow. And as, like, a bunch of teenagers, you know, mm-hmm. poorly rehearsed teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, it was cool that... This is the band big... of 10, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a video of that. It's, it's, it's cool to see even now. Like, even though it's kind of, oh, embarrassing how sloppy we were playing. But... Just seeing how you know, the huge crowd of people dancing to this weird music we were making as teenagers, it's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, that's crazy. I've never played at the West End. I've been there, but I, I can't imagine playing for a... Uh, it's, it's cool. It's, yeah, there actually used to be a lot of shows like that. Uh, back in, I guess, probably, probably late 90s, probably like 98, 99, 2000, there were a lot of all-ages shows there. I think it was cheaper to book back then, maybe. Maybe. And, uh, there'd always be like punk shows there and, and, and hardcore shows and Scott shows and stuff, and it was just, yeah, it was like four or five local bands mm-hmm. and there were, we played there maybe five or six times at least yeah and it might have been also better to book shows there because more people were going to shows i've although i've, I've heard from people who are making music now that um it's great the the community is great but i've also heard people from like back in the day not saying that you're from way back in the day but I met, i've met some older like older older musicians yeah. and saying that the community is not is not what it used to be. There used to be so many more venues selling out every week every weekend, and that could also be causing. I, th- I think it might be because the internet too. Like yeah. people people can just download everything now, and they can listen to anything from anywhere. Whereas before, it was more focused around your local stuff because that's all you could get. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that, that's also I always forget that the inter- internet wasn't always a thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm when I was younger, it wasn't, but like I'm so used to it now. Like I'm, I my phone might actually be surgically attached to my arm in the next couple of years because I'm, I'm so dependent on it, unfortunately. Um, so uh, where can people find uh, Witch Police Radio on social media? Oh, we're, well, if you look for Witch Police, you know, usually we come up. It's pretty much one of the only things that comes up to in Witch Police. But we're on, on most of the social media stuff. Facebook, Witch Police Radio. Twitter is Witch Police FM. Uh, Instagram is Witch Police Radio. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the website is, is the main kind of place to find all the music and all the podcast the episodes and stuff. But, yeah, the hub, yeah. But yeah, we're I mean we're out there. We're talking to people. I mean that's the main way to get guests. I mean as, as I'm sure you've noticed too. Like mm-hmm. social media is fantastic for, for getting guests s- for the show. Yeah, I made so many friends on social media. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Um, dang it, I did it again when I, <laughs> I was trying to go somewhere with that. And um, I guess like just on talking about the website. Like in addition to the, the podcast, the episodes are all there. But there's also the big archive of local music. There's hundreds of uh, recordings of local bands going back to maybe the mid to late 90s to present. Mm-hmm. And although I don't update that nearly as much as I used to because the podcast is kind of the main focus, Yeah, uh, I have put up a few things this year that are, you know, older recordings or new recordings of people I know as bands or projects or live things. And uh, there's still a ton of stuff there. Like, I mean, there's there's a huge archive. It's alphabetical. Mm-hmm. You just kind of go through it and find uh, my old crappy bands, my friends' old crappy bands, some of my other friends' good bands. <laughs> <laughs> So, and there's some stuff from out of town too. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I know people who have moved from Winnipeg to you know Montreal or Halifax or wherever, and they continue to be in bands there. So they've sent me things in over the years, and those have gone up and stuff like that too. So, um, can you on top on top off the top of your head, can you give me an examples of, of what of music that people could find? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there's like well, like all the bands I mentioned that I was in, those are all there. Yeah. Um, a lot of there's a lot of compilations and things of local bands. I mean, back kind of the same era I was talking about the West End with the punk scene and everything, a lot of people would make like a CDR with, you know, 15 to 20 local bands on it. And uh, all the bands that kind of played a lot of shows together and a bunch of those are up. So all of that stuff is completely hard to find because 
most of those bands lasted for a year or two and they recorded a tape and then it's completely you know out of print and gone mm-hmm. so there's a lot of stuff like that which is kind of cool to still have i think that yeah. uh even though you know i don't know if anyone cares anymore but it's kind of nice to to preserve it mm-hmm. and there's a lot of projects that maybe people from those bands or from some of the other bands that are up there have gone on to better things like i mean like i mentioned my old band had uh Rob Crooks and Jesse Madison, that who both have gone on to you know more success musically, and uh, there's a, l- a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, there's a, an album from 1999, I think, uh, by a band called Del Paxton, and it has uh, a couple guys who went on to be in Quincy, and then Sandy who went on to be Indicator Indicator, yeah, and that was his band from back then, and uh, things like that. I mean, there's a lot of these bands that 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 nowadays people are recognizable names and faces, but at the time it was just teenagers or you know people in their early 20s messing around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I recognize a couple of those names. Uh, I never would have like, a year ago, but now I do because I'm... From doing your show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so crazy. Um, I remember what I wanted to ask you now. <laughs> Where did the name for which police radio came, come from? Like, why did... Why? Well, it's, we, we got, I got stuck with it because it was... Um, when I made the website, I needed to come up with uh, a name for it, right? Because I was, I was getting the website. It needed to be something... Mm-hmm. It was a blog. It was a blogspot page. It'd be something blogspot dot com. Yeah. And uh, the original, po- the first post on there was uh, two songs by Dynamo, which is the group that me and Rob Crooks have. Yeah. And one of the songs was called uh, "Witch Police," and it was this really. The story is not uh, not very interesting at all <laughs> about how the name came about, but we had a song with that as the title, so I needed to call the website something. So they got "Witch Police dot blogspot dot com" because at that time I didn't know what I was going to put on there other than just that one tape to start with. So. Yeah. Uh, that's why it is. And then by the time we started the podcast, the, sh- the site was already, you know, four, three or four years in full of content. And people knew it was a yeah. place to get local music. So at that point, it's like, well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair. Why bother change it and, yeah, and yeah, restart that? People already that. kind of associate Witch Police with something, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the story of the song, Witch Police? I want to know. Oh, the song has nothing... The, the, the lyrics in that song have nothing to do with the actual title, Witch Police, but okay. uh, there is the part where he, we're saying, we are the Witch Police, we are the Witch Police, and if you listen to the episodes of the podcast, there's like a five to ten second clip of that right at the beginning of each show. We do our little intro, yeah. and then that, that, that's from the song, Witch Police. Oh, so that that's kind of, crazy. Uh, yeah, it all kind of connects. I keep reusing things. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's all, it was all meant to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's really cool. How did you um, how did you make your intro? This is just a question that I want to know, not for anyone who's listening. It's just the intro me. to the podcast? Yeah. Um, well, there's the Garbage Hill intro first, right? Like, it starts off with the Garbage Hill. Um, you're listening to Garbage Hill, yeah. the Big's first podcast network. And that was, um, I recorded the audio for that, and originally I just made a recording of that, and then there's a song by a band called Union Stockyards, a local band called Garbage Hill. Yeah. So I attached a little clip of that onto the end of it, and I thought that was fine, but then I sent it to the other guys who do the podcast on, on, on the rest of the network, and one of them said, well, this is okay, but I can fix it up. So he added all the kind of garbage truck sound effects in the background oh. of the first part, and he just kind of cleaned it up, and it sounds way better now, so... It was just me talking in a clip from the song, and the song fit perfectly because they've been on my show twice, and they're an awesome local band, and they have a song called Garbage Hill, which is perfect. So. Yeah. Was that, do, you think, do you think that's where the name of the podcast network came from? No, no, the no. name came from the actual Garbage Hill, like Westview Park. Oh. oh. Uh, <laughs> Winnipeg's highest point, Yeah. which is oh. like literally a former hill made of garbage. Yeah, I, remember, I know about that, yeah. yeah. And back in the 90s, there used to be shows there all the time. There's a, a festival called Corefest. Oh, really? Which happened at Garbage Hill, and that's what the song is about, the, the, the Union Soccer song. See You Down at Garbage Hill. It was every summer there'd be a big festival, and the first show I ever went to, actually, was Corefest. Oh, so it just so happened the coincidence they once one band wrote a song about the garbage hill and well they wrote a song about going to that festival too they were around the same age as me and they used yeah. to go to that all the time as well and so they wrote a song about the experience of that because it's kind of a really uh, iconic sort of local yeah thing that happened and, and then not very uh, many people have shows on garbage hills so right, right. <laughs> sorry that uh, that's I sorry keep going but yeah no that's that's, <laughs> that's where that comes from I mean the song was coincidence and the the, uh, the network was named by one of the other hosts of the other podcasts. And it was perfect because, you know, it's a very Winnipeg, iconic Winnipeg uh, landmark sort of, right? So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I acted like I didn't know, but I think I remember my mom, we were driving past it. And she's like, look, that's, that hill used to be garbage. And I remember just being like, wow, it's covered in grass. Like, you would never yeah. be able to tell. I think we went to bogganing there a couple times it's or awesome something. Bogganing, yeah. Yep. Um, is there anything else that you would like to tell me about the, the witch police radio that I didn't get to ask you yet? Uh, no, I mean, I guess, like, just want people to tune in. Uh, it's mm-hmm. on UMFM Sunday nights at midnight now. We changed the time slot, but it's Sundays at midnight. And uh, those are older episodes that get like a second life. So yeah. I mean, something we record in May is not necessarily going to air until September or October. But 
So even though the time, you know, some of the content we talk about in the show, like an upcoming CD release or something, might be dated, it still gives people a second chance to hear a band yeah. that they may have missed the first time around and things like that. So. And that might even be better for people who maybe they, they heard the music that the person was playing and like, oh man, their CD release was would be wouldn't be coming out yet. But if they're listening to it late, that music could already be out, so they don't have to. And wait. they can just go get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that. I mean, that, I think that's good in yeah. some ways. Um, great. So thank you so much for letting me call you and talk to you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, this is fun to, to learn from you and to uh, learn how to make phone calls and in- do interviews. <laughs> um, no, this is good. This is good. This is uh, it's fairly uh, smooth on the phone. Like it doesn't that you know, there's not many uh, dropped calls or weird noises happening. Like no, times, yeah. So <laughs> I've been very careful to not drink my my tea in front oh, of yeah. the. Um, that actually might be what you heard at the beginning because I, I was I was sipping. Like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not a ninja with drinking tea. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for coming in uh, or coming and talking. Uh, this has been the Winnipeg Music Project. If you guys want to come to the big mix-up at the Park Theater on Monday, May 30th, uh, 7.30 p.m., $8 entry to hear... Can you say which artists are, are yeah, coming? Yeah, sure I can. I don't yeah. have the, the full list in front of me, so I'm sure I'm going to miss somebody. But uh, we have... Um, well, for starters, we have Greg Arcade, who's a uh, country singer. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. I played in bands with him uh, going back about 10 years. And uh, so I was really excited to have him. He's been on my own show about four times. And um, he's involved. Uh, Luke Jacob, who is a, kind of a blues, soul, R&B sort of uh, guitar player and singer, he's on there. Um, we have uh, The Invisible Man from JFK and the Conspirators, who's mm-hmm. a trombone player. He's playing as well. Uh, Greg Milk Crow from um, Scarlet Union most recently and then formerly of the Wedgwoods and Whole Lotta Milka. He's playing uh, a horn also. Um, we have Daryl Riley playing sax from Girls of Soul. He was also in Subsidy and in a number of ska and punk bands over the years. Uh, we have uh, both members of Bicycle Face, uh, so that's a guitarist and a keyboard player. Oh, really? Yeah, and they're they're really cool. I had them yeah. on the show fairly recently. I really like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Anne-Marie from the group Shea Willie. It's a kind of a francophone uh, folk group. Uh, she's playing accordion, uh, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend John, who was one of the original hosts of the show, he is uh, playing bass. And he's been in, he was in the mouth boat with me. And he's been in bands like Glenn Murray recently. Uh, he has a solo project that's happening very soon as well. Uh, who else? Uh, Chad from Dead Ranch, which is, you know, punk kind of metal sludge type stuff. Uh, he's there. Uh, we have Eli and Sam from the band The Heights, which is a dance pop kind yeah. of group. Uh, they were on my show a couple weeks ago as well. Um, Jory from 1971 is playing drums. Um, also, another recent band. Like, I kind of took a lot of the artists from recent episodes just because I freshly talked to them yeah and, and it kind of made sense oh hey I, you were on last week do you want to be on this other thing yeah so yeah that's that fair. worked well uh we have Grant Partridge from uh, Autumn Still uh, involved he also has a solo project called Blue T-shirt mm-hmm. that's um, right. trying to think of who else I'm sure I'm missing somebody I'm sure I'm missing a few oh Elliot Walsh who is uh he was on our first live show he was one of the guests and wow. he has also uh hosted a number of episodes of Wish Police he tends to focus on um kind of the history of the local rap scene. Uh, he's done a number of oral history episodes on groups like Shades and like Freak Show and really iconic kind of mid-90s and onward uh, local rap artists. And he, he's a rapper. He's been in the scene forever and uh, he has a lot of knowledge about that stuff. So he's done, you know, a few episodes a year for Witch Police that are based on that and he's performing at this as well. Uh, we have uh, Dominique from the group Ella Mode uh, who's in there. She just, she's the most recent one who, who kind of signed up for the project. Um... I'm sure I'm missing someone. I apologize to whoever I'm missing, but uh, yeah, that's that's, that's most, okay. <laughs> most um, of them anyway. Do you have a list on your on your website? Yes, I do. Yeah, if you go to witchpolice.com, uh, there's a post on there that says the big mix up. It has a poster right on there. Uh, it's got the full list, including links to band camps and stuff, so you can hear everybody who's who's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a Facebook event, and um, that's got the list as well, so people can check that out RSVP if they want to, and you can buy tickets online. So if you go to either the Park Theaters website, if you go to um, the Witch Police post or, or the Facebook event, there's a link to the ticket sales there. But they're available at the door. But if you feel like uh, buying in advance, you can do that online too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Yeah, it's going to uh, be fun. I'm really pumped. Yeah. I've, well, if, if you guys want to come, people who are listening, I'll be there. Cool. Um, Sam will be there. Are you going to be playing too with everyone? No, no. I'm just, me, me and Ryan are just hosting. Um, I, f- I find that uh, even though I, I'm the main host like myself for most of the episodes, uh, Ryan is really good. Well, I mean, he's a good co-host anyway, but he's really good in the live stuff. I find that yeah. um, 
it's kind of, I kind of think of it as me doing the play-by-play and him doing the color commentary if it was a sports mm-hmm. show. And I'm doing the kind of, you know, standard interview questions, but he kind of lightens it up a bit and makes a lot of jokes, uh, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So it works well, I think. So he's, he's cool thing well. with me. Great. And I'm just going to be there pulling names and, uh, you know, going Looking people pretty. stage, basically. Yeah. yeah, okay. Awesome. Well, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you, uh, you saw... I know I keep I keep saying see you later, but I asked the question. You yeah. did you went and got back together with your old band, and you guys did a, a an album together. Could we close with one of those songs? Sure, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Which song would you like? Uh, okay, well the album, well the band's called the Most Boat. Yeah. Um, we did two tapes in the late two thousands, and then we got back together in two thousand twelve for three days and recorded an album then uh, at my old house. Yeah. And um, it's uh, called Spiritualism. Um, the album is called Spiritualism. Most of our other stuff was about outer space and aliens and robots and things. And this one, this album was all about, um, like, demons and the occult and weird stuff like that. It's very tongue-in-cheek, uh, but, uh, you know, we're not actually serious about any of it. But yeah. uh, the first song from it is really cool, I think. It's called Mr. Splitfoot, and it's my favorite on the album. Awesome. And we can f- we can find all of the other songs on whichpolice.com. Yeah, all the multiple yeah. stuff is, is available there. All, there's uh, all three tapes, and then there's a whole pile of really badly recorded live bootlegs. All right. Of shows me like the Albert and stuff. Very over good. Here, so. <laughs> all right. That's like, so exciting. So we're going to finish with, oh, I just totally forgot. What was the song called? The song is called Mr. Splitfoot. Mr. Splitfoot. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. So let's close on that. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This has been Ashley Bignesh and Sam Thompson from... Which, Which Police, Police Radio. Radio. Um, if you missed the first half of this interview, don't worry. It's going to be on umfm.com or this Friday at 8 a.m. on uh, www.winnipegmusicproject.com where you can download the full interview and share it with your friends. Awesome. I'm going to do that and listen to it and see yeah. how, how weird I sound. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, when I ever edit, I'm like, Ugh, why do I talk so awful? Anyway, so uh, this is going to be one of those moments. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank cool, you so yeah. much, Sam. And this is Mr. Sp- Split foot. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Do spirit entities want to communicate with us? Absolutely. We don't really know whether spirits exist, but we're going to try and summon them. If they arrive, we don't know what they're going to do, and we don't know how to get rid of them. They could communicate with the dead.